Bible reading today is from John chapter 9, verses 1 to 12. As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents said Jesus, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, he spat on the ground made some mud with his saliva and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means scent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. His neighbours and those who had formerly seen him begging, asked, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, no, he, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. How then were your eyes opened, they asked. He replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud, put it on my eyes, and he told me, go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed, and then I could see. Where is this man, they asked him. I don't know, he said. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Geraldine and Rosemary. I don't know about you, but I was captivated, as always, by the signing. So you might want to open your Bibles and look at it from there. Um, but before we do that, let's just pray. Holy Spirit, we invite you to come. Come now and open the eyes of our hearts, we pray. Amen. I'm going to start this morning with a poem. It was six men of Indistan, to learning much inclined, who went to see the elephant, though all of them were blind, that each by observation might satisfy his mind. The first approached the elephant, and happening to fall against his broad and sturdy side, at once began to bawl, God bless me, but the elephant is nothing but a wall. The second, feeling the tusk, cried, Ho, oh, what have we here? So very round and smooth and sharp. To me, tis mighty clear, this wonder of an elephant is very like a spear. 
The third approached the animal and, happening to take the squirming trunk within his hands, I see, he quoth he, the elephant is very like a snake. The fourth reached out his eager hand and felt about the knee. What most this wondrous beast is like is mighty plain, quoth he. Tis clear enough the elephant is very like a tree. The fifth, who chanced to touch the ear, said, E'en the blindest man can tell what this resembles most. Deny the fact who can. This marvel of an elephant is very like a fan. The sixth, no sooner had begun about the beast to grope, than seizing on the swinging tail that fell within his scope, I see, quoth he, the elephant is very like a rope. And so these men of Indistan disputed long and loud, each in his own opinion exceeding stiff and strong, though each was partly in the right, and all were in the wrong. The gift of sight is an extraordinary and precious thing. It gives us depth of understanding of the world. With our seeing eyes, we greet the sun as it rises. We're blessed by the dancing daffodils in the early spring and the smiles on our children's faces. With eyes that can see, we're comforted by the tears of our friends who grieve with us in times of sadness. And when pain is too deep for words, we know we're not alone. With eyes that can see, we might be transported into other worlds in our imagination as we read books or watch films that explore other possibilities, suggest different ways of seeing the future. Eyes that can see connect us to the world around us and the lives that we touch in such a sensitive way. But not everyone is blessed with sight. I wonder, have you ever stopped to consider how being visually impaired might affect your life? Have you imagined how it might feel to be in a crowd and not be able to discern the faces around you in spite of all the noise? In making your way around, has it ever occurred to you the courage it must take to tackle stairs and corners to venture into new places when you cannot see what lies ahead. This might be something we would want to consider as a church family when it comes to our welcome of those who are visually impaired. What little things would make life better for those who do not have sight? When I began teacher training many, many moons ago, we were partnered up with someone that we didn't know who grabbed us by the elbow and was required to take us blindfold around our new campus. Now, it wasn't an experience I really enjoyed. Like most people, I liked being in control. And to me, when I couldn't see for myself what was happening, it didn't feel like I was in control. My guide was not always considerate enough to ask what I wanted, where I wanted to go, what I wanted to do, or, or to warn me in adequate detail of obstacles I was about to face. In truth, 
I didn't come to any harm at all. But exactly as intended, I did learn a good lesson or two that day. The truth is, because I couldn't see, I didn't really feel seen. I felt rather cut off and isolated, a little afraid and vulnerable. Our sermon series for Sunday mornings this term is all about people who encounter Jesus. We're going to look at three groups of people today, not, not just the one. The first, the blind man. The second is the disciples. And third is the group of friends and neighbors. So let's see what we can learn from their encounters. Do turn open uh, John chapter 9 if you'd like to follow. So in today's reading, the first encounter we hear about is by a man who was born blind. Interestingly, it's Jesus who notices this man. He sees him. This man who lives in a world of darkness, somewhat vulnerable, possibly isolated, definitely living at the mercy of others, is seen and acknowledged by Jesus. That very fact reminds us that however alone we feel, however isolated we are from the crowds around us, even when we know they have no idea what our life feels like at all, in all of its challenges, even then, Jesus sees us. Thus far in John's Gospel, Jesus has been shown as a man who heals the sick and the lame, who gives the living water, and who turns water into wine. In Jesus, we see someone who gives himself up for the world. He sees the need before him, and he meets it in the purest sense. He has come to bring light into a dark world, and yet, strangely, sometimes people choose to remain in darkness. In today's account, the man born blind is representative, really, of all humankind. Jesus sees him in his darkness, and he offers a way out. Unlike Naaman, in the story in the Old Testament. Our blind man here obeys immediately and he receives sight. This man, whose name we don't even know, was probably sitting in the marketplace or by the roadside begging, for there was nowhere for a state to care for him in those days. In spite of the fact that he was probably mistreated and jostled by the crowd, he depended on their mercy for just a few pennies here and there. He was not looking for Jesus. He was just getting by in what would have been quite a challenging life. But Jesus saw him and his desperate need and went to him. He reached out to the man in his darkness and he gave him something that he would never have considered asking for. He gave him his sight. In doing so, he would have transformed his life and his relationships with the people around him. In this story, the Jesus we see is quite tender and gentle. 
He doesn't judge or lecture the man. There is no interview or finger-wagging or criterion to be bet before he acts. No. He simply makes some mud, pastes it on his eyes. Go and wash, he says. It really is that simple. Encounter Jesus, do what he says, be healed of whatever has troubled you from birth. Be healed of your deepest pain. This man asks no questions. He simply does as Jesus asks. Imagine for a moment how that man must have felt as he washed the mud from his eyes and the bright light flooded in for the first time ever. Imagine the joy and the relief that must have flooded into his heart as he stood there, face dripping in amazement. He was so desperate. He was willing to do what Jesus said without question. And as a result, Jesus met his deepest need and brought healing to his life. It wasn't the mud that healed him. It was the obedience. I wonder if there's something in your life, a pain or a darkness that's so consuming that you, like the blind man, don't even think of asking God to intervene. All your energy is perhaps taken up with simply getting through the day. Jesus sees you. Jesus cares. And if you turn to him, he can bring light. He can bring transformation. There is nothing too big to bring to Jesus. And nothing too small to be beneath his notice. Jesus came to bring light and life to this world. And he offers healing to all who turn to him. Healing, but not, you notice, understanding at first. It's interesting that this man is so full of joy, he can't wait to share his news. He has no clue what's happened or how, but he really doesn't care. He knows he can see for the first time in his life, and he has Jesus to thank for it. That's his testimony. He was a man transformed, so much so that his neighbors actually wondered if it was the same man. Just as sadness and pain can make us frown and get us down, joy can light up a person's face, can't it? The old saying that a smile makes any face beautiful is true, actually. And I imagine that this man's face and his body language was quite transformed in that moment. He'd gone from being afraid and alone in his darkness to being whole and in relationship with those around him. His encounter with Jesus ended up with his world being flooded with light. It would never be the same again. What joy must have been his. The only thing that can make sense of the darkness is the coming of light, not more darkness. I 
and the light of the world, says Jesus. The second encounter with Jesus is, of course, that of the disciples. Well, does that even really count, you might ask? After all, they're walking around with him every day. Surely they knew him quite well by now. Does that count as an encounter? Well, I would say yes, it does. Because in this conversation, they too find something new about Jesus and the kingdom of God. Unlike the man born blind, they are actually searching for the truth. They've left everything behind, possibly at quite some personal cost, and they're following Jesus day by day, like most of us, I suppose. But here's the thing. For all their good intentions, they're asking completely the wrong questions. They want to know the truth. They want to see the kingdom of heaven. They want to be more like Jesus, but their thoughts are so wrapped up in the ways of the world they're on a journey with Jesus, but their understanding is far from complete, and the way they've learned to think in society is affecting the way they approach things of the Spirit. It was commonly, though mistakenly thought in those days, that any illness was the result of sin. The disciples, hoping for greater understanding, wanting to know where the best to apportion the blame. Should he be the blind man himself or his parents who were held responsible for his infirmity? To be fair, we all try and make sense of life, don't we? When things go wrong, we ask questions. Lots of people, even today, want to blame someone or something for the things that happen in life. But Jesus' answer really took their breath away. He asks them to look at the question from a completely different angle. He asks them to consider from a kingdom perspective, not who is to blame for this poor man's infirmity, but instead how it might give glory to God. Neither party is to blame, says Jesus. You're coming at this from completely the wrong angle. This poor man's infirmity is not a result of sin at all. It's an opportunity to give glory to God. What a challenging perspective for those of us who've been walking with Jesus for many years and earnestly seek after the truth. Perhaps we allow the perspectives of the world to affect our thinking too much too. Perhaps we should be looking at our circumstances with a kingdom perspective more often. Perhaps we should be asking how our circumstances might bring glory to God rather than pleading with him to make them look like something that looks like success in the world's eyes. That is quite a challenging thing to suggest but if we really want to grow more like Jesus, if we really want to see his kingdom grow here on earth, perhaps God's glory is what we should be seeking and let him work out whatever surprising way he finds best. 
I wonder what Walcott would look like if as a church family, we all had the courage to give him that kind of freedom in our lives. The third and final encounter for today was slightly second-hand, but I think, again, it still counts. The blind man's friends and neighbors encountered Jesus through the man's testimony. It's striking and challenging to me that even though the man did not quite understand what had happened to him or who Jesus was at first, he could not wait to tell the news. Not surprising, really, I suppose, given the wonder of the miracle that he'd done for him. But he offers us a magnificent example of what it means to witness to your relationship with Jesus. You don't need to worry about the things you don't understand. You simply need to tell what you do know. A witness in a court of law, now I'm no expert, there are people in our family, church family, who know much more about this sort of thing than me, but as I understand it, a witness in a court of law is called to tell what he or she knows, has seen, or experienced. They are not required to explain it or draw conclusions from it. That's the job of the judge and the jury. The witness simply recounts their personal experience. Often, it takes the witness statements of more than one person to make the whole picture clear. Like our blind men in the poem, when we hold the truths of their statements together, we get a more complete picture. As Christians, we're called to tell what we know to be true in our own lives. There is really no need to be afraid of doing so because it's your story. No one can argue with your experience of life. As our friends and neighbors work colleagues and family piece together our story and the story of other witnesses. God's Holy Spirit will help them piece together the truth and bring understanding in time. That's his job. Ours is simply to tell what we know. The man said, I was blind and now I can see. Simple as that. He didn't try to answer the questions beyond his understanding. He was happy to say, I don't know. As the story progresses in chapter 9, and you might want to read it because it is quite funny, he gains in understanding and by the end professes faith in Jesus and worships him. Jesus sees him, meets his need, and journeys with him to a point of faith and greater understanding. This encounter with Jesus is a simple story that results in the healing of body, mind, and spirit. It results in the transformation of a life. It's written rich in irony and humor. I'm sure we're supposed to find this man's simple, logical conversations with the Pharisees funny, later on in the chapter. 
the man born blind, is given spiritual sight, understanding, if you will. Sadly, ironically, the religious elite, the ones who ought to be able to see, are completely blind to the truth of who Jesus is and what he offers. So, a man born blind is healed. Disciples who are journeying with Jesus are invited to look at life in a different way. And friends and neighbors of the man have their understanding challenged, all by an encounter with Jesus. Who do you most identify with in the story today? And more importantly, what are you going to do about it? The man sets us a fine example. He brings his questions to Jesus. And the next time he meets him, he does so with open and seeing eyes and gives his life to him. In a few moments, we'll gather around the communion table and tell again the story of Jesus' life and death and resurrection, just for you and for me. As you receive the bread and the wine, I invite you to take that intimate moment with Jesus. Don't rush away. Invite him to open the eyes of your heart, to bring healing where your life is broken. And if you're feeling really brave, invite him to change the way you look at the world, to see things with a new kingdom perspective. Jesus came to bring light into our darkness. Whatever that looks like for you, take this opportunity to encounter him this morning. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we come before you now just as we are, all of us struggling to make sense of our broken lives. We invite you now to flood our hearts and lives with the love and the light of Christ. Open the eyes of our hearts now, we pray. Amen.